Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. I'm joined today by Ray Rafiq Omar from Unmortgage, who also writes and comments on the prop tech sector for Property Industry Eye. And as you will hear, Ray does not hold back in expressing his views about the sector sharing some disappointment uh, for his perception of a lack of innovation at times, as you will hear. However, he also describes some of the initial steps that are being taken to pave the way towards progress, if not quantum leaps, leaps rather, just yet. He looks forward to a, a game-changing startup coming along to shake the place up. So have a listen in as we discuss finance and lending, payments and blockchain technology, among other topics in a wide-ranging conversation. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Once again, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined on the podcast today by somebody who I've had connections with for a while now and I consider to be really um, influential and and knowledgeable in this space of prop tech generally. But uh, Ray, first of all, hi, Ray from Unmortgage. Are you there? Just want to check the technology is working. Yep, all here. Great stuff. Glad to be on the show. No, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm really you know, excited to be talking about uh, how maybe fintech or financial technology in particular plays into this whole prop tech space. And I know from some of our previous conversations, you don't always hold back. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm maybe, yeah. maybe setting you up there, but uh, it'd be very interesting to hear your, your things. But perhaps would you just give us a quick overview of who you are and what you do? Um, this is a way to set the scene and then we can we can pick up things again after that sure so uh i'm i'm hi i'm ray uh i i run on mortgage which is uh, i would say a fintech startup uh that uh offers a new way to own a home where basically you own a stake in a home that you rent and there's no debt involved at all uh so it's like shared ownership without the mortgage um my history is that I, I come from a family property management business in southwest London. Uh, so all buy and hold property, no, no, no development work at all. Um, and being a family business, I did my best to try and escape. So I went to the, the city of London and learned about the world of pensions and, and pension investment risks. Um, left that to do a prop tech startup called Wigwam, which was a property rental auction. Uh, suffice to say uh, that was... Uh, too difficult to get off the ground and that failed. Um, subsequently started a company called Get Agent, which was uh, an estate agent comparison site. So that was really my first foray into data and property data where we tracked every single listing that went to market and matched it with its land registry entry. And what that allowed us to do was provide a lead table for agents in your local area based on their percentage of original asking price achieved and the number of properties they actually sold. And we could break that down by the particular type of property that you had to sell. Uh, And so we monetized that by auctioning off your instruction to sell your property 
to those better agents in the area, and we typically made 30 to 40% of the agents' instruction. Uh, what was really cool is that we would kick back 50% of our fee to the consumer uh, on the successful sale. Um, all this time, I've been writing about PropTech because I, I felt that no one else was, and there was a, there were a lot of interesting human stories when it comes to property and homes, mm -hmm. which is what led me to unmortgage. It, you know, the greatest need seemed to be the, the decline in home ownership, and there were very fundamental reasons behind it. Uh, you know, property prices going up, and and you know, governments pumping money into into the economy, and most of that going into home loans. So the prospect of property prices dropping is, is close to impossible unless capitalism itself fails. Uh, and therefore there needed to be a different way to get access to the housing ladder that wasn't a mortgage. Um, and so, so yes, uh, I, I'm, I'm often famous about uh, writing negatively about prop tech because I'm constantly disappointed by the lack of ambition. Uh, and, and part of, doing things like on mortgage is showing how great the, the change in society can be if you apply technology properly. Yeah. I've got a big smile on my face, Ray, to be honest. I don't know if you finished that, but I just wanted to come in. There's a couple of things there you said, and you said to me in the past. And for example, just the refreshing honesty and humility um, that you talked about wigwam that you know uh, that that didn't get off the ground at the point at point in time. And you don't you normally you don't normally find people bragging about their um, I guess, you know, it, lack of success, but that, that was something. And I just, I admire that, that you were able to do that. But equally, I, I, I admire your um, refreshing honesty. And so if you are going to challenge what's out there, rather than just people saying, oh, you know, prop tech in general and fintech in particular, it's, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. It's going to, you know, change our world for, for the better. I think you've got a more realistic sort of outlook, haven't you? Um, on what's out there. Well, 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 look, first thing, we learn by making mistakes. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're just lucky. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you don't embrace your mistakes, you're probably not learning from them. Mm -hmm. um, and I've got kids, right? So I want, to, I want to be a good role model. And if I'm not humble and you know, able to laugh about stuff, then my kids are going to grow up with a, a serious dad who they would want to talk to about their mistakes and learn from them. Because you know, if you're older, you've got some wisdom that you can impart on the next generation. And if you're stiff upper lipped about it, then you're not going to be imparting much at all. Uh, the second thing is absolutely right. PropTech and FinTech is not going to change the world substantially. Uh, and it hasn't. You know, we largely run our financial and property lives the same way we did 10, 20 years ago. Uh, which is, you know, uh, disappointing. Mm. But there are bigger challenges in society, you know, education, healthcare, um, rising inequality. And I think that's really where technology can help. So you see the democratization of, of many industries thanks to the internet. You know, the amount of information we now have access to now, I, I remember the days where my family bought, uh, you know, 30 volumes of Britannica Encyclopedia. <laughs> and then a few years later, uh, Microsoft released Encarta, which was on like one CD, like mm -hmm. the same amount of information on one CD. And then a few years later, 
Wikipedia exists and the amount of information on Wikipedia that just could never exist in paper form is just unfathomable. And, and that power of the crowd and the ability of the internet to, to parity check people's you know, work, uh, and that transparency is, is revolutionary. And yeah. that really needs to be seen in the property industry. Yeah, and you, you, your phraseology there was it really needs to be seen. So by implication, you're suggesting we, we're not seeing it yet, I suppose, or not seeing a lot of oh, it. I mean, I mean uh, you look at every, every part of the property transaction, it's shrouded in mystery. Why, why, why are fax machines still used in a property transaction? It, <laughs> It fundamentally doesn't make any sense when the internet exists and, you know, Jeff Bezos is about to become the richest man in the world, owning a small chunk of an e-retailer. I totally agree. And what we've seen, of course, you said that things haven't changed that much in 10, 20 or more years. But actually, in the last five to 10, things are starting to change, you know, with the sort of uh, um, iPad generation and apps and and, and this sort of thing. And, And that's kind of what I want to get into a little bit. Um, you talked about democratization, a sharing economy. Um, I'm perhaps going to throw in a word, which is disruption. Um, you know, what sort of things are you starting to see which are relevant um, from a fintech point of view to uh, the prop tech agenda generally? Oh, man, you're not going to get a good answer out of me on this one. <laughs> Look, the, the greatest innovation in mortgages is making the application form electronic. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, that's not innovative. Mm-hmm. It's it's just the natural course of updating processes. Um, where 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 is my uh, automatic mortgage approval based on my circumstances and a property? Because actually, most of these big financial institutions already know a lot about me. Mm-hmm. You know, experience experience certainly does. Why can't there be an apply with experience button that gives you a credit card application or a mortgage application without me ever having to input my personal details in any form ever again? Mm -hmm. Comparison sites are good in terms of consumer value because they've helped lower the costs of many financial services like insurance. But actually, they're just a new shop window. It's just e-retail. You're still filling in a form and actually... You often have to fill in the form again with the insurer when you're passed along. That's not fun. That's definitely not innovative. Uh, look, mortgages, I'll give you an example with mortgages. A lot of people buy uh, their home with a buy-to-let mortgage. Why? Because you getting a residential mortgage, you're the risk. Your ability to service that loan is the risk. But a buy-to-let mortgage, it's the property's ability to earn rent that is the risk. And so the banks view the two things in very different ways. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people can't get the income multiple, so they go and get a buy-to-let mortgage, and obviously the banks don't have a very good way of monitoring that, and, and so people get away with it. Why can't the industry go to addressing the need? There's a, a, there's a great innovator called Tom Hume. He does a TED Talk about uh, pathways, and he says, look, you, you can design your road to go wherever you want it to, but people will follow the path of least resistance. And you see these great satellite images of people just walking through the park, not on the pavement, but on, on the way route. That's the, you know, the, the quickest way for them to go. Why can't the banks now 
with the amount of data they have, lend on the property rather than on the person? Why do they have to start a new mortgage application for the next person buying that property? Why can't they just port the mortgage on the property to the next owner? There's so much innovation that could be happening that's completely common sense, but nothing's happening. <laughs> I can sense your disappointment. But isn't part of that problem down to regulation? No, regulation can only be backward, backward looking. You can't regulate the things that don't exist. You've got, to, you've got to invent it and prove it and have case studies for regulation to figure out where it fits. The internet was lucky that it grew with such scale and pace that regulation couldn't come in. It was too late. The horse had already bolted, which has been to all of our benefit. Where's the property transaction online in, in a second? Because all the due diligence you need has already been done on that property and actually it's been done on all the properties. So you never have to do it on a case by case basis. All the uh, local searches, all the risks about the property are contained in a database somewhere. So all you need to do is click buy. We've now got alternative financing routes like peer to peer and crowdfunding. So no, might- I'm sorry. I'm sorry that they've largely failed. If you look at Funding Circle and Zopa, the, the vast majority of their funding is institutional investment. Look at Lend Invest. So in, in our industry, Lend Invest is, is, is doing gangbusters business. Um, and obviously, uh, they are open to the crowd investing. But the vast majority of their money is institutional on the back end. Lend Invest has two unfair advantages. Uh, one is it uses technology to impress people and therefore it can acquire an audience. And two, it uses technology to make the application process for a borrower a lot simpler. So if you were uh, a developer and you wanted to raise finance, it would be a less stressful, less painful, more certain process with LendInvest than it would be going to uh, one of the mainstream banks. The democratizing nature of the internet has not penetrated fintech. Uh, in this country, at least, you, you see it with M-Pesa in Kenya, right? There's uh, been an incredible leap ahead of the whole Western world mm-hmm. uh, where Everything is electronic. Yeah, you, no. you pay someone with your mobile phone. Well, I do want to pick up the whole payments agenda with you, but it sounds to me like you're extremely skeptical about, um, you know, lending, certainly, in fintech. No, no. I, I, I reckon that actually the possibilities of the technology's capability today, we could do all of the stuff that we've talked about, mm. instant property transactions, uh, lending in, in, in ways that opens up uh, the safety uh, of lending to, to more people uh, rather than risky lending. Uh, the, the data that we have that, that unfortunately is not contained in single databases and is held in silos mm. is, is the key, right? If someone could come along and aggregate this data into a single database, they would be the insurance company and the lender of the future. And you, you, you just wouldn't go to a high street lender or, a, 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 you know, one of the, the bulge bracket insurers ever again. You look at what Lemonade is doing in the U.S. They've just raised silly amounts of money from SoftBank. And it's because they, they use clever behavioral techniques to get people to behave well with their insurance and not make silly claims. You know, where's the real innovation? That's, that's real innovation. Uh, you know, finding ways to acquire customers is just e-commerce. 
but finding ways to get people to behave differently, to open up a product to more people. Uh, you know, property ownership is not open to more people at the moment. Uh, renting is still a very, what, what's the right word? Renting is still a very insecure way of living in the UK. Mm. You know, when we've got models across the world, look at Singapore. There is no housing crisis in Singapore. So, Ray, uh, what's on my mind is, you know, what's good right now? Because obviously, I can, I just sense, and I share a lot of that disappointment that that we could do be do we could be doing so much more. But what's good that's out there now, even if it isn't quite good enough, let's say, or goes far enough. So, so I think the stage we're at right now, there's a lot of innovation that's basically process improvement. It's paving the way for people to understand what the future could hold. So you think you get services like Homey which is like a, a, a buying agent for renters. I think their website's gethomey.co.uk or .co. Uh, and that's an awesome service if you're a renter. Uh, your experiences are basically tied to the landlord landlord's agent, which means you don't know your rights, you don't get uh, all of market view, uh, you don't know anything about negotiating or pricing. Having someone holding your hand for a, a small fixed fee um, is transformational in your renting journey. And that's that's basic process improvement, but it's it's a substantial uh, quality of life increase for, for those homey customers. Uh, obviously, Lend Invest is making life easier for, for borrowers, uh, mostly for development finance. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other, the other service in the renting space is Moobubble. Um, you know, they've got a, a really simple app that just makes your life a little bit less cluttered when you're looking for a home to rent. Again, just a process improvement. Um, what else is really exciting? I think finding insurances is a lot more human these days. You can have a conversation with, with, a, with an AI bot or a fake AI bot to be able to buy insurance without having to, to you know, uh, feel untrust, uh, untrusting of the service you're, you're talking to. Uh, I talked about Lemonade. There's a whole ton of services like Canopy in the UK that are genuinely showing people that there's a more trusted way. You know, Trussell and Habito are digitizing the mortgage application. What they can do after digitizing the mortgage application is actually really exciting. So Trussell talk about never having to lapse into a standard variable rate mortgage ever again because they're constantly mo monitoring the best deals for you on the market. Which for them is obviously a great business model because they get to earn extra commissions without you ever having to go back to them. Mm -hmm. uh, and you get to save a lot of money never going to send a variable rate. So process improvement is where we're at right now. I'd like to see that quantum leap improvement. I think you're right. It's going to happen in fintech. It's going to happen in the way we borrow, in the way we access finance. And it's it's just it's just going to, you know, the mortgage has been the biggest reason for rising wealth in the middle class. It's the innovation of the last hundred years that's really cat, you know, catapulted the middle class into being consumer. Uh, I think you're going to have that sort of effect with the next round of innovation. What it could be is anybody's guess, but uh, that's what we're going to see next after all this process improvement, because the technology exists. Right. We're going to, you know, I'm really disappointed that we don't have you know, people living on the moon and Mars and we don't have flying cars and jetpacks. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah. I, I honestly reckon that they're, they're close now. And when they come, people's imaginations will reach a little bit higher. Well, I was wondering, I was thinking as you were relaying some of that, you, perhaps we're talking about um, you know, baby steps. So you talk about process improvement now and maybe what the next step might be. And um, you, you made a reference earlier in the conversation about the internet and it, it just you know, it exploded effectively and you know, no one could catch up with it and then we live with it. You know, it, it's a bit a bit like um, why alcohol is legal and why other drugs are illegal. You know, it was just the timing, really, and it just became accepted norm. Um, what I was going to ask you is, could could internet the, the the internet of now could it be blockchain technology, for example? I look. I, I'm not. I'm not a big hype fan. Uh, I won't go throwing out lots of words. I think blockchain is. Um, just another database, uh, one that obviously uh, could re replace a bunch of current databases, uh, obviously in a more open and transparent and trustworthy way. Uh, could it yield lots of new innovation? Absolutely, it could. Um, I, I'm skeptical on, on what blockchain could achieve in the world of property. I could absolutely see it changing identity uh, so I'm currently putting in a passport application for my child. Uh, the government knows they were born. They've issued a birth certificate. Why on earth do I need to get a counter signatory to, to, to sign off that this, this person exists? Mm -hmm. you know, blockchain could solve things like that. Yeah, the whole smart contract thing. I think can can have, well, it does have the potential to change the real estate or property industry. Um, you know, as you say, um, you know, restoring uh, land registry information uh, makes it could make it a lot easier to uh, for in the conveyancing process, for example. Look, I, I think replacing the land registry could improve the conveyancing process. I think not having a conveyancing process could improve the conveyancing process. Why on earth do you need a lawyer to transact anything anymore? Why are there not standard contracts and standard due diligence packs of data on everything out there? You know, could you imagine going into a shop and having one of two things happen? The first is that they say, well, you wait here and we're going to get our contracts out so that we can enter into a contract to buy this thing. And the second thing, imagine going into a shop, seeing, say, a T-shirt in the window, and then they say, sorry, that one's sold. You can't have it anymore. But, but it's there. It's in the window. That's right moving Zoopla right now. You can go into right moving Zoopla. You can see something in the shop window. You call the agent. And they go, sorry, it's just gone. But if you'd like to register with us, that bait and switch doesn't happen in any other industry. Property is so disappointingly in the 20th century. Uh, you know, I think that fundamental shift is going to completely wipe out the last generation of property professionals and replace them with a longer tail of technology-enabled self-employed people. Look, at, you, you want a, a good example of technology? View, Viewer. So it's oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 started by an ex-estate agent. It's basically on-demand property viewing service outsourced to self-employed people. Uh, so, you know, uh, Uber for property viewings. Yep. I can't imagine a scenario where an estate agency owner would ever 
have someone as a fixed cost negotiator ever again, sitting there all day, staring at a computer, trying to not surf Facebook and Instagram, while in the evening and weekends, people want to do viewings. <laughs> I was looking at Viewber earlier, actually. It's ironic. but um, And I was thinking about things like, and I know we're talking, well, I wanted to talk to you specifically about fintech, but obviously it's part of the broader agenda. But um, you've got things like Purple Bricks, of course. Um, so who are starting to, you know, make moves to disintermediate um, estate agency. But how can an estate agent disintermediate estate agents? Yes. I reckon <laughs> the, the most fragile company in property today after Countrywide is Purple Bricks. If someone can offer, and, and let's just hypothesize for a second, if someone can offer your, you the ability to sell your property for free if you pay them for conveyancing services or other services, Purple Bricks dies overnight. Mm. Now, your local estate agent, your high street estate agent, probably survives that because they've got a different personal service. But Purple Bricks is charging you a fee that you probably don't need to pay because there's going to be another technology service that's going to offer you the same Purple Bricks standard of service for free. They are the ones that are going to be disrupted first, in my opinion. High Street Estate Agents are going to uh, last for a long while longer than Purple Bricks are. So I was thinking to myself, if there's like a, a couple of waves here, and you know, the, the, I used a phrase on a previous podcast, sorry to repeat it, but it's like the first through the door gets shot often in, in, <laughs> in, in technology. You know, if you apply that analogy to technology. Well, that's sort of, that's sort of, that's sort of e-move, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. So e-move, e-move, the, got, e-move got shot. Purple Bricks yeah. came through afterwards, uh, got it right, now worth over a billion pounds. Uh, but I reckon they will... Uh, not have a sustainable business model because there are two things consumers care about. It's price and convenience. Uh, they are currently offering the cheapest price, but there is you know, a thousand pounds to cut from that price. And that's a lot of money in a lot of people's minds. A lot of fat, yeah. Um, what I was going to say, drifting a little bit into maybe payments. Um, sure. I've seen personally some, you know, some pretty good things. I mean, you, you know, these, a lot of this stuff is bits around the edges. So, for example, you know, Go Cardless um, is, a, is a technology which allows you to have uh, simple direct debits. You know, you and I can have simple direct debits to collect rent, for example, using sure. Go Cardless. You know, you've got Stripe. Um, and then, of course, you, you also, I don't know if you do any international transactions. I think you said it was predominantly UK, but... Um, I've got some international transactions, and I've seen things like TransferWise. And Revolut. And Revolut, exactly. So I've got uh, investors who are in their 50s and 60s who swear by Revolut because when they go on holiday, they don't have to worry about getting ripped off by their bank on on foreign exchange. Mm -hmm. Um, When we were talking earlier about uh, LendInvest not really opening up to to borrowers who wouldn't otherwise borrowed, yeah, the, the technologies that you've just mentioned, Go Cardless has absolutely opened up the market to people who otherwise would never have been able to access direct debit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's transformative for so many businesses. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah Stripe, how many people can now set up a website and take credit card payments because Stripe is in existence? It would have been impossible to try and get around your head around 
getting a world pay account. It, I, you know, I've tried as a tech entrepreneur and I still don't understand what I need in terms of processes and gateways and, and all the other jargon that they throw at you just to try and get your customers to pay you with a credit card. Mm-hmm. And Stripe is you know, a line of code and your website has the ability to take credit card payments. And to translate these, some of these uh, into sort of everyday applications, perhaps for our audience, you know, Go Cardless can allow a landlord to collect rent using direct debit. And they may well say things yeah. like, well, I, I collect rent by standing order. Because a direct debit has got more flexibility than a standing order. Um, so, well, I mean, every, every utility company will tell you that their chance of being paid on time is far higher if they get their customers on direct debit than if they try and rely on the customer to do the, you know, push. Of course. So that, by definition, should help to, you know, bring the void periods down. Um, I think the, the other application was with Stripe, for example. Now, if you think about short-term accommodation, service accommodation, Airbnb style, um, you know, you've got variable payments, you know, all floating around, but you can have that, you can have a Stripe integration either into your own website or into uh, the back end of one of the platforms like Airbnb or Booking.com, um, allowing instant payment, you know, of any amount to take, to take place and, you know, um, deposits being held and this sort of thing. So, Things like yeah, Stripe you'll, is you'll, revolutionized you'll that. Mm-hmm. You'll get that with banks now. So, you know, you can you can take payment over internet banking fairly easily. And, you know, people do it already, right? You, you're in a, you're in a say, agent's office and they say, we need to take a deposit and you know, people whip out their phone and, you know, 30 seconds later, uh, they've got a, 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 a payment set up. So, you know, that, that, that stuff has absolutely changed people's relationships with their money. And, and the property industry's ability to collect money. Uh, I just uh, I just think that that's sort of process improvement, right? Yeah, it is process improvement and it's sort of front end, you know, to pick up your language of earlier. But, you know, I think for a lot of people, that's still, you know, significant progress. I think perhaps your lens is, you know, is, is more in sharper focus, if you like, to what the possibilities are. I think um, in a lot of people, it's, you know, didn't realize they could do this sort of thing. Uh, I mean, I was uh, doing. Let's put it this way: if you're if you're a if you're a property developer, or if you're an everyday person who wants to invest in property, and you go to the land registry to see what your next door neighbor's house is worth, you have none of the nuance that goes into that price that you see. Vendor circumstances, condition of the property, square footage. That stuff needs to exist in a central database that is publicly accessible for free. And then you'll see a rapid change in the behavior of people, uh, a massive uptick in the amount of innovative products that come to market that change the way people can access property. I agree. Uh, are, you, uh, are you seeing, Ray, are any of this? Because, uh, you know, often what we have in the UK is sort of five to ten years behind the USA. Are you seeing any of this? You mentioned lemonade as an example. Are you seeing any other examples in the US that might be transla- can translate over here? Well, I, I'm, not so, so, I'm not so sure the US is always ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously they've got a highly regulated real estate agency industry, which keeps their fees high. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Um, I think the MLS systems are severely, severely deprecated and, and behind the times, uh, but they're trying to, to keep their fiefdoms. Um, I think if you look at pr- 
pricing, so consumer pricing, fees in the UK are, are, are on average under 1.5% now, whereas in a lot of the rest of the world, they're still sort of 5 6%. Estate agency so fees. Yes, estate agency fees. So we're ahead in terms of consumer friendliness in that sense. Um, I think data, the UK government is incredibly, uh, you know, almost light years ahead in terms of consumer data. The US is essentially 50 different countries and even municipal uh, cities have different data uh, d- databases of, of property information, whereas the UK has one land registry. No, so I'm, if I'm there was a, If there was... No, I was just going to say I bought Sorry. property in three three U.S. states in the last year, and I was uh, I realised that the United States of America is not a country. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's a collection it's a of, of states. Yes. So, and so if you want to talk about blockchain, blockchain could form a land registry for the U.S., but because we already have one in the U.K., it, you know, it's only incremental improvement that we might have more data that goes into that land registry. Mm. Yeah. So Ray, I, I want to—I I, kind of want to finish on a bit of a high. Uh, I, I, have you got applications, or are you seeing technologies, whether that's a desktop, mobile, or just companies that you, you want to signpost us to? You've dropped a couple of names already during the course of the conversation, but are, are there people that we should be looking into and go, "Wow, they're doing some really cool stuff"? And bearing in mind what, what we're talking about here is uh, property investment. So it's the property investment. Excuse me, what's the investor community? Any, any other? Yeah, so the sad thing is that the, safe, the safest and best performing investment is still property yeah. um, within the property sphere. I think if you were to look at the tech companies, uh, Vuber would be a fairly safe bet. I think the network effects of Vuber mean that it, it would be the only player in the market and it would, it would have a sizable advantage over anybody else trying to enter the market. Uh, I, would in, I would invest in Vuber if given the opportunity. Um, Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on mortgage and I'm, I'm, I'm all in on mortgage. I think uh, the world needs more than the binary choice of renting and buying with a mortgage. I think there needs to be an intermediate step. And, and uh, I'm framing on mortgages the category-defining category way to, to bridge yourself between renting and, and owning a home outright. I love your concept, by the way. Um, you know, it's certainly from the front end point of view, it's not. It's obviously not peer to peer. It's uh, institutional backed, isn't it? But um, at the front end, it's you're providing access to property ownership in a much more um, simplistic way to people. So I think it's a really good uh, innovation. Yeah. yeah, and that that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to get people to look at. If if, if you understand your market, look at ways that you could open up your market to many, many more people. I want to open up home ownership to all those people who can afford to rent in the areas that they want to live in. And therefore, my pitch is, if you can afford the rent, you should be able to own a stake in that property. No, I agree. I've seen your proposition. It's good. Um, any others? Um, I think Viewer is the one that's top of mind for me at the moment. Um, I, I, I really love Get Homey. I think um, anything that goes to genuinely helping consumers navigate their way through what is a very stressful process. You know, property is essentially a financial transaction, whether you're renting or buying. And and when you're doing a financial transaction, you should absolutely get help. Um, it's it's incredible that 
we, we, we go through buying in the UK without a buying agent. I'm not saying the US model is, is, is much better because their fiduciary duties aren't always aligned. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, having a buying agent on your side is, who's an expert that can help you with pricing and availability of, or line of sight of what's available, you know, that fundamentally changes what you can achieve. Sounds good. Uh, just a quick one on, on on mortgage. Is it open for business? So we are uh, about to enter a partnership with a large institution, so we should be buying our first homes in the autumn. Okay. That's what I, the, uh, but what I would say is if you wanted to sign up, uh, we're about to close the sign-up process because we've got a, a rather long wait list of people who would like to get an unmortgage. Ah. So, so do, sign, do sign up before we close the wait list. So tell them where to go to sign up, right? Uh, yeah, it's uh, unmortgage.com. Unmortgage.com. Yeah, and, and I had a look at the concept. I was wondering if when I last looked, you weren't quite open. And it sounds like you, you've opened the doors and are about to close them again. But um, I think, um, for example, there'll be a lot of people listening to this who might be living in high um, cost areas, such as London, uh, who might be investing in lower cost areas, such as the outer reaches of the UK. And I think, you know, so those people might be still, you know, investing out externally because they want to get on the property ladder. They can't actually get on the property ladder in the more expensive areas where they live. So perhaps you will. Uh, yeah, you've have absolutely an identified. You right. absolutely identified one of our, our, our core customer segments is people who have a little bit of money, but it doesn't stretch far enough in the area that they want to create a life in. Uh-huh. So they do typically get a bike let somewhere else, somewhere cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and this allows them to keep their bike let, but get their foot on the housing ladder in the area that they want to raise their family in. So there's a bit of a cue there for everyone who's listening to this who might be in that position to go and register before you close those doors. Fantastic. Well, Ray, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, you know, I'm always um, fascinated when I talk to you because you, you just come out with the um, unexpected at times, I have to say. But I think the, the, the realism that you show, um, I think, I, you know, I'm still positive about the future. I, I think it, we, are, we are waiting for um, some major disruptors. You know, we're looking for the Google, you know, to, or the Google equivalent to come forward and, and maybe uh, make a mark. Maybe it's going to be Facebook. Who knows? <laughs> um, but I, I do sense it's going to be, it's either going to be blockchain that's radically changing things or it's going to be a major player like a Google or a Facebook to, to really sort of shake things up. I don't know if you know. I, I think it's going to be a small, it's going to be a small startup that no one sees coming that uh-huh. just sees the world in a, a much rosier tint. Well, let's let's toast to that, and we'll look forward to it uh, coming along and some more radical changes to uh, a fairly um, staid industry at times, which is property. Thanks, so, Richard. I look forward to hearing all the other all the other discussions you've been having. Me too. That's fantastic. Right. Thanks a lot for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. I was really looking forward to speaking with Ray, um, who, as you could probably tell, holds back no punches when it comes to the subject of innovation in our sector. Ray is a serial entrepreneur and has freely admitted to sometimes having an idea before its time, with his reference to Wigwam, for example. I do admire his humility and vision, though, and so I genuinely hope that Unmortgage takes off. And that could be a real game-changer for a large number of generation rent that want to get on the housing ladder but find gaining a mortgage a challenge.
And Ray name-checked quite a few companies uh, doing some great things in prop tech generally and fintech in particular, including companies such as Get Homey, Movebubble and Vuba, helping to shake up property search and viewings, Lemonade, uh, which whilst in the States uh, is co-founded by Brit, helping to introduce behavioral economics into insurance, then GoCardless, Revolut and Stripe, bringing payments technology to ordinary people and small businesses. And finally, LendInvest, Trussell, and of course, Unmortgage themselves, uh, making strides in lending and finance. And you can still register your interest with Unmortgage at unmortgage.com. But it doesn't sound like for long though, so you better get in there fast. Perhaps in conclusion, it's, it's possibly a case of an emphasis on process improvement for some quick wins right now in, in the fintech sector, with more yet to come, uh, certainly in terms of quantum leap innovation, as Ray described it. It's therefore fitting to recall his parting words, I think. We might all be shaken up by a small startup that nobody sees coming. So if you're the last generation of property professional that Ray referred to, you had better just watch out. Okay, that's all for this week. But do join me again next time for more fintech discussion within the prop tech theme. Sorry about all the tech references. Uh, with another thought leader and rainmaker from the fi uh, sorry fintech sector. But in the meantime, the show notes can be found, as always, at thepropertyvoice.net. But if you want to talk about anything from today's show, receive an introduction to one of my guests, or just talk about property investing more generally, you can always email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'd be more than happy to hear from you and uh, engage in a, in a conversation, I'm sure. But once again, all I want to say uh, for this time is thanks very much for listening again this week, and until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.